Ulta gives two grown men the opportunity to tell women what it means to be a girl. I have a lot to say about that. And we'll look at a couple highlights from the Herschel Walker Raphael Warnock debate that had people talking last week. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. It is kind of starting to feel a little bit like a whisper of fall where I am, which means it's dropped below temporarily 80 degrees. I saw someone that I follow posting a video of their backyard in Minnesota the other day, and you had like six inches of snow. And this person talked about starting Christmas music. I don't even know what that means. My brain doesn't have the capacity to comprehend it. I've realized that in certain parts of the South that remain hot, we pretty much have two seasons, maybe three. It's tolerable heat and intolerable heat. Right now we're in tolerable heat stage and then intolerable heat is like June through, I don't know, October 5th. And then we have like three days of unbearable cold where no one can go outside or function and maybe all of your power goes out. But I realized in our two dominant seasons, tolerant or tolerable heat and intolerable heat. When it comes fall, you really just have to think of the clothes that you're going to wear as a costume. You don't wear the sweaters for any practical reason. There is no pragmatic purpose to your scarf or to your boots. You would be totally comfortable, even more comfortable, wearing a tank top and shorts and flip-flops. But because you want to transition into a new season, I think that's part of human nature, you just have to decide, okay, I am going to be sweaty outside all all day, but I'm going to wear my autumn costume. You have to think about your jackets and your vests and your sweaters and your scarves and your boots and your jeans and your corduroy, all more like a costume rather than clothes that you have to wear for any particular purpose. And you just can't judge people. You can't judge people when it's 75 degrees outside and they're wearing a cowl neck. You just have to be like, yeah, I get it. That is the fall costume, and we're all just pretending here in the South that it's autumn. So that's what stage that we're in now. We're in the pretending that it is cold enough to have to wear a jacket. I'm wearing a sweater and boots right now because I am embracing my fall costume. Anyway, okay, lots to get to today. One thing I did want to mention, last Thursday's episode where we talked about Pitbull, not Mr. Worldwide, the other kind of Pitbull, the dog kind of Pitbull, I knew it was going to be controversial. And I addressed literally every single argument for Pitbulls that I've heard. And still, that has not stopped people from commenting the very same arguments that I refuted. And not in a refutation of my refutation of their original argument, but actually saying the original argument like I've never heard it before. Like people commenting, oh, this is the same thing as banning guns. Or, well, pities used to be nanny dogs. Or chihuahuas also bite. I addressed all of those what I consider to be very silly and illogical arguments in my episode and still people actually they refuse this is what bothers me about anything and I try not to ever do this I really don't comment on other people's like videos or things at all but if I did or if I sent someone a message of disagreement like I really try to 
take their argument and respond to what was actually said, not just say something that I want to say or that I think that they need to hear. That is like beyond annoying, honestly. But I do appreciate, well, there's tons of messages and comments of support and agreement, and that's great. But I also appreciate those of you who disagree and you're like, hey, I disagree. You like your pit bulls. You like pit bulls in general. That's fine. I think you're wrong. You think I'm wrong. But we realize that we're talking about a dog. And while I do think it's an important subject, I do, and I think it's an important disagreement, this is not like a salvation issue. And now some of you, now I say some of you, you're not probably listening to this anymore. Some people uh, take this to the level of it literally almost being to them a salvation issue. Like I got a message this morning from someone that I had never responded to before, but I was able to scroll up and see our previous messages. And she had sent me messages of agreement of saying that, you know, she supports my book. Great. And then she literally devolves into saying that, I can't support you anymore. I used to be a fan of you. I can't believe that you're saying this about pit bulls. Lady, this is a dog. This is a dog. And I was talking about several stories in which elderly people or toddlers were mauled. And people take their love and adoration of pit bulls to a level of almost, I'm not saying everyone, I'm not saying everyone, but some people in my comments have taken their love of pit bulls to a level of idolatry, to a level of worship, so that You cannot tolerate people blaspheming what you have made a little G God, honestly. Like that is the level of like apologetics that I see in some of the the comments. Um, It's to, I mean, it is beyond. It is beyond to me. I understand if you love pit bulls, you have a pit bull. Maybe your family has always had pit bulls. You have never had to bear the brunt of pit bull aggression. Your child has never been mauled. Your pet has never been killed by a pit bull. You believe that it's only the owner. This is the only breed ever. I guess, that doesn't have a, a nature. It's the only breed ever that is completely dependent on the owner and training for behavior. That's wild to me. It doesn't make sense. But maybe you're someone who believes that. That's fine. I don't think that you're not a Christian or not a good person or that we can't be friends. I actually have friends who have a very gentle pit bull who has never, as far as I know, ever shown any aggression. And I love these people. They're awesome people. Um, obviously disagree on the pit bull issue, but to those of you who take this to a criticism of pit bull to the level of like not being able to function anymore, like not being able to have a polite or rational conversation, there is, and I say this in love, like there is something that you need to dig into there. There is. I'm not saying that you have to change your mind on pit bulls, but if you devolve into almost a temper, a toddler like temper tantrum, When someone criticizes pit bulls, then you need to just dig down deep and ask yourself why that is, like why they are on such a pedestal, okay? They're animals. They're animals. And I'm talking about an animal versus the safety of image bearers. And I am going to side on that side. Again, maybe you disagree with a variety of arguments within that argument, And that is fine. I'm not saying that you don't care about human beings too. But let's cool our jets. Let's cool our jets. The fact that people like so much rage is inspired around pit bulls actually makes me like dig my fall boot heels in even more because I'm like, okay, there is like, 
there's something weird going on about the just, if I am able to say rabid, defense of pit bulls. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to Thursday's episode. We also talked about a lot of other things, too, that maybe you'll get something out of it. And... I hope that we can be friends. I do. I really do. I hope that we can be friends um, disagreeing on uh, disagreeing on pimples. This is not a salvation issue. It's not a secondary theological issue. It's not a tertiary theological issue. It doesn't even come on like four or five or six or seven unless maybe like number 10. But we've got a lot of disagreements before that that we can have and still be friends, right? Um, all right. Thanks for listening to that little rant. All right, I want to get into this Dylan Mulvaney story. First, let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. Now, I just talked about something that I do not support, but this is a company with products that I absolutely support, and it's perfect for today's episode because we are about to talk about this person who has been platformed by a beauty company called Ulta. Ulta apparently believes that men can be women, and that's not something that I I am on board with, so I don't want to spend my money there. That's why I get all of my skincare and most of my makeup from Adele Natural Cosmetics. They're a natural cosmetics company that is family-run, holistic, handcrafted, toxin-free, and all of their products are made in the USA. I have met them. I've spoken to them. They have the same values that we do. They are ardently pro-life. They are Christians, and they genuinely make great products. I use all of their skincare every morning, every night, their serums, their moisturizers, their facial cleansers. Absolutely love it. And I just love knowing that the ingredients are solid ingredients and toxin free. And they are just a wonderful company to support. And you can feel really good about sending your money there. It's good for your skin. It's also good for the future of our country to support companies that are supporting our values. So go to visit or go to Adele National naturalcosmetics.com. That's A-D-E-L, naturalcosmetics.com. Enter the promo code Allie for 25% off your first order. That's adelnaturalcosmetics.com, promo code Allie for 25% off your first order, adelnaturalcosmetics.com, promo code Allie. All right, so we are going to watch a little clip from this interview that was platformed by Ulta Beauty, they have a podcast that's called The Beauty Of. The premise of this podcast is apparently to feature conversations that widen the lens surrounding traditional beauty standards. It's hosted by a person named David Lopez. This person says that he is, quote unquote, gender fluid, wears a lot of uh, makeup and and dresses and things like that. Also has a beard. The first episode of this podcast is called The Beauty of Fatness. Features like um, an obese woman talking about like taking her body back from a fat phobic society. We have talked about um, the kind of the goods and the bads of the so-called body positivity movement in the past. If I can find that previous episode, I will try to link it in the description here. And in this particular episode, They talked about this person, David Lopez, and this person named Dylan Mulvaney about, quote unquote, the beauty of girlhood. Now, Dylan Mulvaney is a very, very popular TikToker with tens of millions of followers and also has a very large platform on Instagram. And honestly, it's not hard for me to see why. And before I get into describing all of this, let me just say, in case you're new here, I do not use 
pronouns that are mismatched with someone's biology, because I do not believe that biology is bigotry. And because, as I will explain in detail in just in just a minute, I believe that God made us male and female in his image. It is not okay for me. It is not acceptable for me to lie and to perpetuate a delusion that I think is not just harmful to the individual, but is harmful to society as a whole. And so I will not use she, her for someone that I know is a man. And Dylan Mulvaney, while he is trying to be not just a woman, but says that he is trying to be a girl, um, is a man. And I think it is good to be a man. I think God that God made our bodies purposely. And it's good to be a man. It's good to be a woman. And I don't think that that is bigoted at all. And I'm going to affirm the identity that God gave him when he created Dylan inside the womb. So I will be saying he. Now, I understand why Dylan is popular, as I was saying. He is very entertaining. He comes across as very likable. His background, I believe, is in acting and maybe singing. I think that he was in musical musical theater, and that very much uh, comes across. So I totally understand why he is why he is so popular, but I also, as you can imagine, understand why he has inspired so much controversy. And it's because of how he presents not just himself, but girlhood. So before I play you a clip of this interview that we are going to then discuss and I'll I'll respond to, let me play you just a little montage, in case you don't know who Dylan Mulvaney is, um, of his, what he calls journey to girlhood. Day one of being a girl, and I have already cried three times. Day two of being a woman, I am at the Rose Bowl flea market with my best friend, and we are wearing matching dresses. Day three of being a girl, and I've already become a bimbo. Day seven of being a girl, and oh my gosh, one whole week of being publicly a woman. Day 10 of girlhood, and today I am singing. I need to pick out a few female songs, so let's see which ones we like. 13 of being a girl, and it feels like Christmas morning. I am finally going to get laser hair removal on my face and my body. So in March of this year, he announced his transgender identity. He started a TikTok series called Days of Girlhood, and he documents each day of his transition. Now, maybe you watch that or listen to that, and you're like, I thought you said that this was like entertaining and you don't see how this is likable at all. I do understand why to a large group of people, this is something that they want to watch. Um, He said that he is becoming a woman, but he still wants to, this is a grown man, adult man. He says that he wants to call himself um, a girl. Um, And so that is who this person is. That is how he has amassed so many followers. And I'll also talk about all of that whole branding of himself and of what he thinks is femininity um, after I play this clip. This is from that Ulta Beauty interview. Now I know I can find love. I know I can still be a performer. I know that I can have a family. I want to be a mom one day. And I absolutely can. And that's why the narrative still has a long way to go. Because when I was grieving Boy Dylan, I didn't know those things were even accessible to me. So before I respond to that 
what I think, and this is like the nicest way I can say it, is like ridiculous statement. Before I respond to that ridiculous statement about wanting to become a mom, I also like another aspect of this person that I understand people um, are attracted to is that he comes across as very um, vulnerable and very gentle and also very honest like he will talk about like the different kinds of like procedures that he wants and like hormones and um, things like that and so I think people like what seems like a level of transparency and vulnerability people like that on social media in general and you can kind of see that come across there however People were not deceived by or they weren't taken in by his delivery. It didn't soften the blow at all. On Twitter, Ulta got absolutely dragged and lambasted for this because this is two grown men telling an audience of women what it is like to be a girl. And over the next couple of days, you are going to see a lot in conservative media of people mocking this. And I think that that is justified. I think that mocking false and harmful ideas is actually a healthy and necessary way to make an important and truthful point. That's why I believe in satire. That's why I do it when I can, because it makes a point in an ironic way, which is sometimes even more effective than literalism. And so there's going to be a lot of mockery in the next few days. But I do on this episode want to take the time to dig a little bit deeper on this. Um, A lot of women are saying that this is really sad for women because it erases women. It belittles motherhood. It's insulting to moms. And I understand that because we are getting it from both sides as women when it comes to this transgender movement, if you will. For the women who claim to be men, we all have to be birthing people and menstruators so as not to offend them. And then for the men who claim to be women, we have to allow them into our private spaces on our sports teams and share titles and characteristics with them like motherhood that have always been unique to the female experience. Personally, though, while I understand all of that, and while I do think that is absolutely a form of erasure, and that is something to be angry about and to even mourn over, I do not personally feel like he is taking away from my femininity. Like, I don't feel lesser at all. I don't feel like he is diminishing my experience as a mother. And this is what I mean by that. When I see a clip like that, I feel more gratitude than ever for who I am. When I read a lot of the posts that circulate on Twitter from Reddit from the men who are trying to be women who are like really, really wanting to be perceived as a woman and have female experiences and they have to like jump through all of these hoops just to pretend to be a woman, to try to get a feeling that they're a woman, to try to convince other people that they're a woman, like I am just so grateful for the thing that maybe, I mean, I've always been happy about, but maybe took for granted before that I am a woman. I don't have to try. Like I actually am a mom and the experience I have as both of those things is real. I don't have to fake it. I don't have to have procedures to be a woman. I don't have to change anything. I don't have to declare my pronouns. God made me one. He made me He made me a girl in my mother's womb who is also 
a woman in her mother's womb and on and on and on. And God made me a mom. That's incredible. Wow. I, I realize honestly more than ever because of all of this, how amazing it is and how thankful I am for that. I am so grateful for and so confident in my femininity that a man playing a caricature of a girl or a woman truly cannot do anything to diminish that. So praise God. And you should be praising God too. Whether you're a man or a woman, you should be praising God that you're a man because it's good to be a man. I know that in a lot of ways, society tells you that it's not and tries to hinder and inhibit true healthy masculinity in a lot of ways, but it's good to be a man. It's good to be a woman. It's good to be feminine. It's good to be able to do the things that only our bodies can. That is what we should, by the way, as parents be telling our kids, it is good to be a boy. It is good to be a girl. Your body is good. Your characteristics are good. We should be trying to cultivate this kind of gratitude and confidence in our kids from the youngest age that we possibly can. And so I don't actually feel when I watch this, I know a lot of people feel like something's being robbed from them. And I get that. That is, I think, a valid concern and a valid feeling because that is, I don't think that that is this person's desire. Like, I don't think that that is his goal in this, but I understand how people feel like that is an indirect consequence of something like this and a company like Ulta promoting something like this. That's not personally how I feel because this person What he is trying to represent, as much as he calls himself a girl, he represents a caricature of a woman. This is a grown man playing a character of a preteen girl. He calls himself a girl. And that is not only disturbing, um, it is insulting in a lot of ways to actual women. This person in all of his videos, as you saw a little bit a few minutes ago, reduces femininity down to silliness and flamboyance and klutziness. And I don't know a a single woman or even a single girl who acts like that. So this is overcompensation. It is a man trying to figure out what femininity is and being unable to successfully do so. And I understand, again, why he has so many followers. I understand why this has some entertainment value. And I understand, actually, you might be so confused about this, but I understand why many women like him. Women are attracted platonically to non-threatening males. I haven't fully unpacked why, but since the dawn of the gay best friend, or maybe even the dawn of time, since it was possible for girls to friend zone a guy, women have liked being around masculine energy that is not a threat to their safety. I might be controversial to say I think it's absolutely true. I'm sure there's some kind of study or some kind of literature on that out there. That's just my personal observation. And this person, I think, has mistaken that support for um, affirmation of his stated identity or um, validation of his stated identity, uh, solidification of it. Like he has he has mistaken all of the compliments and all of the following as authenticating who he says that he is. He said recently, um, he said, the world sees me as a girl. And I promise And again, this is not me trying to be mean. This is trying to affirm who God has made as a male. The world does not see this person as a girl. Go to any person outside of Western civilization and he can put on makeup, heels, and a dress. And ask a person in China or Zambia or India or Iraq uh, what he is. 
Heck, most people in the West wouldn't even bring themselves to say that this person is a girl or a woman just like actual girls and women. There's a very small percentage of people who have convinced themselves that gender is actually something that you identify as. There's a lot of people who say that they believe that. There's a lot of people that will function politically like that. There are a lot of doctors who will make money off of that belief. But when you get down to what people really believe, there are very few people that have deluded themselves so far into believing that, that a grown man with a five o'clock shadow can be a girl. Okay, that is the truth. That is not rude. That is not mean. Saying a man looks like a man or a woman looks like a woman is not mean-spirited. That is affirming reality. I do not have ill will towards this person. I do not wish him harm. And I understand the manipulative uh, manipulative tactic that is always employed that says, well, if you think Uh, If you say that a man who thinks he's a woman is a man, you're perpetrating abuse and encouraging self-harm. But that is emotional extortion used to silence people out of telling the truth. Talk to any detransitioner, which I know a lot of people are uncomfortable doing, and they will tell you that their suicidal ideation had nothing to do with being misgendered or pronouns or people not affirming them, but instead had to do with a lot of underlying mental issues that were not being addressed. My goal My goal is not to offend, although I know that this is offensive. That's not my goal. It's not to hurt. It's to tell the truth. And it's not just any truth because some truths don't need to be said, right? Like if you see someone and you don't like their outfit, you don't need to tell that truth. You don't, or you don't like their pants don't match their shirt and you're not on that level of friendship to where like they really want to know. There are some truths that are not necessary. This is a necessary truth. Because under the guise of authenticity and affirmation, this ideology is encouraging people to be what they are not. And then it is infringing upon the rights of women in sports, in abuse shelters, in prisons. It's breaking families apart. It's encouraging minors to go through with life-altering, sterilizing, genitalia-maiming procedures. So telling the truth here is the most compassionate and necessary thing that we can do. Dylan can never become a mom because he is not a woman. He would have to buy the eggs of one woman and rent the womb of another woman to do what he never can, and that is bear a child. That baby will then go into his arms, the arms of a stranger who doesn't smell or feel like the woman who birthed him, who doesn't smell or feel like woman at all, and will not feel the instinctive connection and longing that a child has for her mother. Also, he can perpetuate a delusion. At the expense of the right of a child to a mom and a dad, at the expense of the long-term well-being of a child who has uh, an innate desire to know from whom she comes. He will likely go through his process in the hope uh, that doing so will make him a mom and it will not. Now, maybe he will adopt. That would be better than buying eggs and renting wombs which is, as we've talked about many times, not much different than prostitution. This is, it's often desperate women who are given the opportunity to make a lot of money and they sell their bodies, taking on all kinds of risks, many of which they're not, they don't even know about to feed their families. But he would still not be a mother because he is not a woman and nothing will change that. Now, maybe he could have been an amazing father, I'm not doubting that he would love his child, but amazing dads still are not moms. Um, 
more to say about this, and I really want to address Christian specifically when it comes to the subject in just a second. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Carly Jean Los Angeles. This is another company that I love so much. They share our values. They also sell amazing products. Love the people at Carly Jean Los Angeles, and I love their clothes. So, Per usual, almost every single day, I'm wearing Carly Jean Los Angeles, and I am wearing them shoulder shoulder to ankle right now. So this uh, sweater duster, Carly Jean Los Angeles, also this tank top, Carly Jean Los Angeles. And let me tell you a cool thing about these two items. They're from their basics line, and they're made in the U.S. Really hard to find clothes that are made in the U.S., but all of their items on their basics line from Carly Jean are made in America. And that's amazing. And then also my jeans. I put on some other jeans this morning from Gap. And I was like, no, these are just not as comfortable and not as flattering as my Carly jeans. So I had to change. I don't even know why I try. Love all their stuff so much. You can go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code AllieB for 20% off, excluding final sale items. Always free shipping for orders over $100. Go to CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Use promo code AllieB for that 20% off. CarlyJeanLosAngeles.com. Code AllieB. All right. Um, let me let me talk about this uh, a little bit further in on a deeper and more theological level. And this is this is the most important part. And there might be some of you out there who have never heard someone speak clearly about this. I might be the first person that you've heard talk clearly about this. I hope that you'll go listen to some previous episodes that we will link in the description of this podcast so you can learn more about this. Um, most people are afraid of being called a name. They're be they're afraid of being called a transphobe. And so they just go along to get along. They go with the mainstream. One of the things that we say on this podcast is that uh, we are salmon. We are swimming upstream. When everyone is going one direction, we try to go the other. Actually, let me th- let me tell you this metaphor before I get into the rest of my explanation. But I was thinking, so I go to this workout class and it's really important to stay on the beat. And there are some times when the entirety of the class is almost the entirety of the class is on the wrong beat. And in order for me to stay on the correct beat that I can hear, I have to close my eyes and I just have to listen to the music and do the move that I know is right at the right time, even if the people who are around me are on uh on the wrong beat or else the entire I mean and, or else it's just chaos or else you can't even like enjoy the workout and so that is also true when it comes to truth that's also truth when it comes to morality and reality there are going to be times when everyone around you is offbeat and maybe they're just a little offbeat or maybe they're doing completely different movements but you hear the music you know God's word you know what is true and you have to close your eyes to what other people are doing and simply uh, follow what you know is right. And that is true, certainly when it comes to these cultural issues that put so much pressure on us, especially believers, to just swim downstream. Um, it's really easy to kind of fall into these nonsensical maxims like, oh, just live your truth. That person's just living their truth. Or, oh, this person is just embracing authenticity. And isn't it just good to be yourself or follow your heart or, well, whatever makes someone happy or just follow your dreams. I wrote an entire book about these lies that came out in 2020 called You're Not Enough and That's Okay, Escaping the Toxic Culture of Self-Love and how they can lead to the delusion of gender ideology, but also to justifying all different kinds of 
sin and irrationality. So we'll link that too. Um, But people also fall into even crazier, even more illogical and even circular uh, maxims like trans women are women. Like that doesn't make any sense if you actually try to define those words in any concrete sense. Or maybe you and those around you have convinced yourself that this just doesn't affect you. Like, why does it even matter? And we've talked a lot on many episodes about how this tangibly affects people and why it matters. Um, So you can go back and listen to those. But let me try to make a case to you from a biblical standpoint. While I understand why a secular person might cling to these sayings and come to those conclusions, these are simply not options for the Christian. It's not a mentality that aligns with Christianity at all. As Christians, we do not believe in our truth or their truth. We do not believe that authenticity is a replacement for reality or morality. We do not believe that happiness is an excuse for delusion. We do not believe that male or female is something that can be declared, decided, or identified as because the very first chapter of the Bible makes clear that God made us in his image as male and female. God created the gender binary and he saw that it was very good. The binary is reiterated throughout scripture. It is even the basis for the most significant union and symbol in the Bible, and that is marriage. Ephesians 5 tells us that the marriage between one husband and one wife is a depiction of the eternal union between Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, his bride. Just as the church submits to Christ, wives are to submit to their husbands. Just as Christ sacrificed himself for the church, so husbands are to sacrifice themselves for their wives. So we see that the definition of both gender and marriage are not simply physical realities that God made, but also point to a spiritual eternal uh, eternal reality. An alliteration that I often use, that I've used many times, you've heard if you've been listening to Relatable for any amount of time. The definition of gender and marriage in the Bible is rooted in creation. It is reiterated throughout scripture. Uh, in places like honor your father and mother. That's the first commandment with a promise. Those gender and gender roles and gender identifications are not arbitrary. They are not switchable. They're not accidental. They are purposeful. Honor your father and mother. It's repeated by Jesus himself, Matthew 19, four through five, representative of Christ and the church as we see in Ephesians five, and therefore is reflective of, of the gospel. So to be made in God's image is to be made male or female. This is the basis of not only existence, but also the basis of marriage, which is the basis of the family, which is the foundation of any functioning and flourishing society. So to purposely try to distort that by repudiating God's creation is not only a disruption to society, which then causes chaos. It is not only an assault on the person as an image bearer, but most significantly, it is an affront to God. It is blasphemy. It is the worst form of idolatry because it is self-idolatry. It is an exchange of the God of scripture for the God of self. At least people who worship, say, um, a carven image realize that they have to go outside of themselves for the power and for the wisdom that they're looking for. But those who exchange the God of scripture for the God of self have been so deluded by their idolatry that they actually believe that they are sufficient in themselves to find everything that they need. 
the God of scripture demands that we submit to who he says that we are. What he says is good and right and true, whereas the God of self wants to simply submit to every feeling, to every whim. And that is why the burden and the yoke of the God of self is so heavy and so difficult. But the burden that Jesus offers is light and the yoke that Jesus places on us is easy. Because he tells us who we are. He says our identity. He says what our purpose is. He says where our joy comes from. He is where our joy comes from. We don't have to follow our hearts. We don't have to follow our feelings. We believe in the Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8, who also says in Matthew 19, 4 through 5, that we were made male and female. Easy, easy. We don't have to struggle with the turmoil of trying to figure out who we are and whose we are because God has already told us that is the liberation and the joy and the freedom that comes from Christianity, that comes from the gospel and the order that comes from the biblical worldview. The worldview that is underlying transgenderism says that who we really are is what we feel on the inside. People will say that Dylan is being himself because he is trying to manifest what he feels. Christianity rejects that form of superficial and distorted authenticity. Christianity rather has a high view of the body as something that is a part of your identity. A high view of physical reality. We believe that God made our bodies from our chromosomes to our extremities. They were purposely designed. We believe that God loves our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that the Christian's body is a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God made flesh. He died a bodily death on the cross and was raised in a bodily resurrection. One day we are going to be raised in a bodily resurrection too. That's how significant to God the body is. That body that he knit together in our mother's womb will one day rise from the tomb. That is how significant our body is to God. Far be it from us to try to distort it or mutilate it or change it to be a different gender than what God created us to be. We do not as Christians believe it is possible to self-create or self-identify or self-declare because God created us and identified us in the beginning and declares who we are. That is not our responsibility. That is not our job. And I understand there are always going to be people who look for exceptions and, and say, well, what about intersex? What about people who have chromosomal abnormalities? What are you what do, what do you say about people who have different body parts that like put put them somewhere in the middle? Okay, that is a disability. That is an anomaly. Just because there are some people that are born with one leg does not mean that human beings are not bipeds. We understand the rule and that the exception does not rewrite the rule. And someone who is born intersex is not the same as someone who is a man deciding when he is 30 years old that he wants to be a girl. It's not the same thing at all. And I actually think that it's crazy and even rude to try to lump those people who were born with that uh, abnormality into a movement that is primary, uh, primarily driven by sex and the feelings that someone has um, on the inside. And so that is why 
And that's a pretty thorough summary of why I think it is so important for us to talk about this, for us to care about this, especially as Christians. And this is not something to be wishy-washy on. This should be easy for the Christian. It goes back to the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. If you're not going to be clear on Genesis 127, it is really hard for me to believe that you will be clear on the far more controversial verse in the Bible, which is John 14, 6. Genesis 1:27 God made us in his image male and female he created us John 14:6 Jesus is the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through him the reason i say that is because John 14:6 is a lot more controversial than Genesis 1:27 Genesis 1:27 is seen through reality i mean it's seen through science even a person who doesn't believe that the bible is god's inspired word can see that we are made male and female. They may delude themselves into thinking otherwise, but it is scientifically obvious that we are sexually dimorphic. But John 14, 6, saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven, that we are all dead in our sin apart from him, that we need him to be reconciled to the Father, that we need him to forgive us of our sins, to absolve us of our iniquity so we can be free of the bonds of sin today, but also spend eternity with God. That is controversial. The gospel is controversial. I have a hard time believing if you won't go against the culture when it comes to something as obvious as gender, that you're going to go against the culture when it comes to who Jesus is. Um, So that's just something to chew on. That's something to consider. All right, that almost took up all of our time. There's a couple more quick things I want to talk about to close this out today. But let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is Annie's Kit Clubs. If you haven't tried Annie's Kit Clubs yet, if you've got kids ages about 7 to 12, this is perfect for them. You've got to try it out. It's a craft subscription service. So every month your kids will receive a box with a craft in it, with all the supplies, all the instructions that they need. So it could be a STEM project, could be jewelry making for your girls, could be a woodworking project. There are all different kinds, a wide variety of crafts that will show up at your front door uh, every month. And it keeps your kids entertained. This is something that they can do autonomously. It's a way better way to spend their downtime than, you know, endless hours of screen time. It's constructive. It helps with problem solving, even teamwork if they're working on it together. So you can cancel at any time. The subscription subscriptions are just month to month. And if you use my link, you can get 75% off your first month. So you might as well just try it. See if you like it. I bet you will. I've heard wonderful things about it. I don't have kids this age yet, but when we do, we will be using Annie's Kit Club. So go to annieskitclubs.com slash Allie. Get your first month 75% off. That's annieskitclubs.com slash Allie for 75% off your first month. All right. So I wanted to talk and I, I wish I had more time to spend on this one because I really kind of wanted to break it down. But with a follow a follow-up and a follow-up to an episode that I did last week on Herschel Walker and the Christian Walker, his son controversy. The question that I asked was, should Christians vote for Herschel Walker? And I kind of laid out my thought process about that, what I thought about Christian, what I thought about the story about Herschel Walker, allegedly, according to the Daily Beast, paying for an abortion in 2009. He denies that. Um, I did want to look at the debate between Herschel Walker and his opponent, Democrat Raphael Warnock, who I think from everything that we know about him, not just his values and how he will vote, but also just the stuff about his personal life that has come out, I think is a terrible, terrible candidate. Obviously, I mean, he's 
anti-life. He is anti-every biblical value while calling himself a pastor. So they had a debate in Georgia and Herschel Walker did well. Like people were very impressed by how he did. So let me play you this first clip where Raphael Warnock um, it brings up the allegation that he that Herschel paid for this abortion in 2009. And here is Herschel Walker's response to that. As I said, that's a lie. And, you know, what most thing I put, I put it in a book. One thing about my life is I've been very transparent, not like the senator. He's hid things. But at the same time, I said, that's a lie. And on abortion, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in life. And I tell people this, Georgia is a state that respects life. And I'll be a senator that, that protects life. And I said that was a lie and I'm not backing down. Okay, so he says that it was a lie. Christian Walker seems to think that it was true and that it was his handwriting on the on the receipt. Um, and so, but he is saying, look, I support life. Now, obviously, Raphael Warnock or any of the Democrats in the audience should not have any moral qualms with that because they think that should be totally fine for someone to be paying for an abortion. I think people are pointing out that it would be hypocritical if that happened. I really hope that it is absolutely not true because it would be hypocritical and it would have been much better for him to be honest about that up front and to say, you know what, I've been sanctified. God saved me from that and I've repented and I regret that. I think a lot of people would have a lot of forgiveness in their heart. So I hope that he's not lying. I do hope that he is telling the truth about that, but he handled that question um, as well as he could. Uh, all right, let's play this next clip. I stand where I, I've said I stand in the past, that a patient's room is too narrow and small and cramped a space for a woman, her doctor, and the United States government. We are witnessing right now what happens when politicians, most of, most of them men, pile into patients' rooms. You get what you're seeing right now. He's a neat talker, but did he not mention that there was a baby in that room as well? And also, did he not mention that he asking, that he asking the taxpayer to pay for it. So he's bringing the government back into the room. So he's not talking about that. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. He did. He did really well. Well, first of all, he is much more uh, unassuming. And he doesn't have nearly as much pretense as Raphael Warnock does. He seems like a much more down-to-earth. That's how he comes across, is a much more down-to-earth person than Raphael Warnock. He's right. He's a neat talker. He's a smooth talker. He knows how to say things like, oh, the room is, is too cramped. It's too cramped for the doctor in the United States government and a woman. And Herschel Walker brought up a great point. There's a baby in that room, too. So if that's your argument, that the government has no say um, in when we kill someone and when someone can be assaulted, then you're basically making the argument that there should be no law at all against murder or against assault. Why is it different just because the human being happens to reside in a woman's womb, just because the human happens to be small, just because the human being happens to be underdeveloped? That is a justification for it to be legal to murder someone. That seems horrific especially for someone who considers himself a Christian like Raphael Warnock. And that's an amazing point, too, that Herschel Walker makes that actually you do want the government 
You want the government in the business of abortion because you want the government to force taxpayers to fund abortions. So you're bringing the government in and you're bringing all the taxpayers in the room. You want to talk about a cramped doctor's room, try to fit the entire state of Georgia and their tax dollars in the doctor's room. And that's exactly what Raphael Warnock wants. There is nothing more wicked than forcing human beings forcing citizens of the United States to pay for the slaughter of babies. And that is what Raphael Warnock wants. Um, All right. I think we have, is it one more clip or? Okay. Here's a clip that a lot of people were uh, talking about online. One thing I have not done, I've never pretended to be a police officer. (laughs) And, and, and I've never, I've never threatened a shootout with the police. Well, and now I have to respond to that. We are, we are, we are no, moving no, no, on, no. gentlemen. I have to respond to that. And you know what's so funny? I am work with many police officers. <laughs> and at the same time, Mr. Pastor, Walker, Mr. Walker, no, no, Mr. No, Walker, no, no, no. Mr. Walker, excuse me, truth, Mr. Walker. When please, he say a problem with the respect, truth, the I, truth I, is I need to here. let you know, Mr. Yes. Walker, you are very well yes. aware of the rules tonight. Yes. And you have a prop. Yes. That is not allowed, sir. I ask you to put that prop away. Well, it's not a prop. This is real. So a lot of people are talking about that, making fun of Herschel Walker. He was an honorary uh, deputy. I don't think that he ever said, as far as I know, that he was actually, you know, like a police officer in the same way. But he was an honorary uh, deputy and he did help the police force work with people who were having mental health issues. And he has talked about his own mental health um, episode. So that's what Raphael Warnock was uh, bringing up there. So this is an election to watch. I mean, Raphael Warnock is about as wicked as they come when you're thinking about who to vote for. Go back, listen to my previous episode for just kind of how I am thinking thinking through um, that particular election and the difficult allegations, I think, for Christians who want to be thoughtful in how we vote and whom we vote for. All right, I've got one more ad and just one more thing to say, and that is Birch Gold. So with the consumer price index increasing yet again, the stock market has been an absolute turmoil. What's our illustrious leader doing to quell the surge of inflation that's destroying American families? Oh, yeah, he's making it worse by spending more money and adding to the burden. Do not bury your head in the sand while savings get decimated. Do something about it. Text Allie to 989-898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. These are great people with almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't allow the left to devalue your savings. Text Allie to 989-898. All right, there was a whole other story that I wanted to talk about. I don't have time to get into that. I'll respond to it tomorrow or Wednesday because I could have like a whole 30-minute monologue on this particular viral tweet about marriage, but I will talk about it soon. We've got a lot of great interviews. Tomorrow, I'm super excited. So I am talking to um, a guest. He, He goes by the moniker Chris Beats cancer. And he talks a lot, not just about uh, different ways to combat cancer before your diagnosis or after your diagnosis that I find interesting, but he also talks a lot about pink washing and how Breast Cancer Awareness Month is not what you think. And I thought that was fascinating when I first heard it. So he's going to come on the show and explain exactly what he means. If you can think of questions that you have, particularly when it comes to breast cancer, he, he offers or 
where he believes that um, veganism can help with these kinds of health issues. And so if you have any questions about that or about pink washing, let me know and I'll try to get those questions to him tomorrow. And I will see you guys back here then. 